Mark 1, verses 1 through 11. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came down from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Good morning. I was, uh, I was baptized when I was 10 years old. I grew up in a little town called Half Moon Bay, California. And every Easter, our church, Peninsula Bible Church, uh, would invite uh, the whole body, whoever wanted to come, uh, over to Half Moon Bay from Palo Alto, so about a 45-minute drive, and come to the beach uh, to be baptized. And literally hundreds and hundreds would come uh, every Easter. And so one year, when I was 10 years old, uh, I decided, you know what, it's time. I understand baptism, and I want to be baptized uh, this year. And so we show up in, in the Bay Area there, Pacific Ocean, and uh, I don't know if you've swam in the Pacific Ocean at all. Uh, it's not Hawaii uh, by any means. And uh, it's cold, cold, cold. Um, and so my father is baptizing, and uh, another gentleman with him by the name of Ed Woodhall and they've got, they've got the full-on, full-body uh, wetsuits, you know, uh, as they're doing the baptism. And then come us, the sheep, you know, <laughs> and uh, nothing but a bathing suit. And, and uh, so finally it's my turn to come in, and, and the waves are coming pretty strong. And, and I get in with my dad and, and with Ed and, and uh, asking me some questions. And then we baptize you in the name. And that's all I remember pretty much. At that point, and I have a photo of this, but what none of us saw was that there was a huge wave coming right behind us. I baptize you, and then we just got pummeled, tossed around, upside down, and inside out, and, and all three of us just got taken out. And, and what I remember is my dad you know, reaching in to, to pull me out, and, and get me out of the water because the undertow was, was really strong. That is what we call full immersion uh, baptism. Uh, and and I'll never, I'll never uh, forget it. I'm still getting the sand out today. It's, uh, it was the real deal. 
As we, as we get into the, the Gospel of Mark, we're going to enter in right at the beginning where Jesus is baptized. And it's the beginning of his ministry and his life in, in obedience to his Heavenly Father and living out uh, the ministry that God has called him to for his purposes. And what I'd like to do with you for the next five weeks um, is I'm going to be doing uh, a series uh, with the idea of walking in the dust of the rabbi, in the dust of Jesus. We just, we just got back from Israel uh, a little bit ago and went and walked in the land and went to the places where Jesus was and did his ministry. And I want us to follow that. Uh, and I want us to think about what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ uh, in light of, of what he did and where he did it, and the people he touched, and what it was all about. And so we're going to take the next five weeks. Uh, there's going to be lots of photos, because we took thousands of them. And we just want to share it with you as a body, and, and really think about the dust of the rabbi, and living as disciples of Jesus Christ, learning to follow him. And so as we enter into Mark, uh, we begin uh, at the beginning of his ministry. Mark is different than all the other Gospels. Matthew uh, begins and starts sharing the genealogy of Jesus. And we get that in Matthew. Luke talks about the events that, that lead up to the birth of Christ. When we get John, John gives us all of eternity. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was flesh, and all that took place. In the Gospel of Mark, uh, which, by the way, one of the most translated uh, sections of Scripture... Uh, Wycliffe, uh, for years, this was the main gospel, probably because it's shortest uh, gospel, but it really is a powerful gospel in getting in to what Christ did and what he was all about. And so the message is presented. What Mark does is he says, listen, I, I want my people to know, and he's speaking to a Gentile audience, and he's writing this, he's thinking of his Gentile audience. I want them to know that Jesus is the Son of God. I want him to know exactly what he's all about. I want to present the gospel, the good news, that there is a Savior. And we want to dive right into where Jesus began his ministry and what he was all about. This is the servant king that we've been waiting for. Servant king doesn't need a genealogy. Let's get right to what he's about, why he came. And so that's what we start off with. And so as Mark begins this gospel. He says, I'm speaking of the one. In the beginning, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus. In the Hebrew, Joshua. That's what I named my second son. It means, Jehovah is salvation. In the beginning, Jesus, Jehovah is salvation. Jesus Christ the anointed one, the anticipated Messiah, the one who would die for our sin. And then he goes on and he gets deeper. Jesus Christ, and let me identify who he is, Son of God. He's in full flesh, but like John says, he is fully God. And what that gives to him is all of his power and authority that John, that the Gospel of Mark wants to proclaim. 
We see Son of God several times in the Scripture, but one time was after Jesus calmed the storm. He's walking on water, and he gets into the boat after, he, after Peter's about to come out and see him, and he gets in the boat and he calms the storm. And the disciples say at that time, Surely you are the Son of God. All power, all authority, everything is you and belongs to you. And Mark wants to make it really clear. The good news is here. Jesus Christ, Son of God, has come. And he prepares that and he shows us that in the beginning of Mark. So there's this guy who's in the wilderness. And his name is John the Baptist. I don't know if he was first Baptist, second Baptist. I don't know. He was Baptist. I feel sorry for the second Baptist. You know? They didn't make the first team. I don't know what happened. He's out baptizing in the wilderness. And Mark makes it very clear of what he was doing, that he was preparing the way. What would happen in the ancient times when kings would come to town after a victory or after a long time away, they would send messengers ahead of them to prepare the way for the arrival of the king. And so here, John is labeled in the scriptures as one who is preparing the way because the king is coming. And in the ancient days, it had two purposes. One, the messenger would go out, or messengers, and they would go and make sure that the roadways were clear, that there wasn't bandits along the way, that, that everything was ready for the king, that it was a smooth path for the king coming into town. And the other thing that would happen is that the messengers would go and speak to all the people, hey, guess what? The king is coming. We want you to be ready because there's nothing better than the king coming back to town. And John the Baptist fulfills these things. Making the way smooth. Preparing the way. For the king is coming. And he fulfills prophecy. We see it two times. We see it here. What's quoted in the Gospel of Mark is in Isaiah 40. Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness... Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight or smooth. And then we see in Malachi, the Italian prophet, Malachi 3.1, Malachi, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to this temple. And even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in, behold, he shall come to you. John the Baptist is in the middle of the desert. And he's preaching during a time when all the people were, were struggling and, and trying to understand. You had, you had this Jewish orthodoxy, this way to have relationship with God. And it was, for many, very oppressive because they can never do enough. And you have religiosity. 
And you have, you have rules, 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 the laws, the commandments, and you've got to keep them. And then they just kept adding and adding and adding. And people who are feeling the oppression of that are coming into the desert to hear this guy, this wild man, John the Baptist. And they're showing up. And then you have the Gentiles. They're pretty much, they're pretty much just fed up with religion. They've tried different things. They've watched the Jews, and they're not really drawn to that. And so they're also being drawn out to the desert. Now here's something I don't want you to to miss. So John the Baptist is, is a voice in the wilderness, right in the middle of the desert. You have, you have up north, uh, or kind of in the middle of Israel, you have the Sea of Galilee. It's a little more north of, it's north of Jerusalem, okay? Then from the Sea of Galilee, coming down south, you have the Jordan River, and it flows into the Dead Sea. Near the Dead Sea, just to the, the east side a little bit, is Jericho. And it's really a spot that is dry and dusty and far from everything, It really is in the middle of nowhere. There would be no reason to go there. It's not very lovely land. It's hot, hot, hot. And yet the scriptures say, Mark says, they were coming from everywhere. Jesus came from Nazareth. That's about over 70 miles traveling to the desert. People were coming from that region and north even above that and and all around as the scriptures say. Coming to hear this guy, John the Baptist, preaching. And you go, what in the world is going on? Well, again, the communities were struggling. The people were trying to understand religion, and they're oppressed. Here's John the Baptist in in the desert speaking truth. And I think the scriptures are clear that he is one, a voice in the wilderness. I don't think wilderness is just, you know, to be thrown out, it's actual wilderness. I think it's more than that. Wilderness always symbolizes and represents barren, dry, empty, desolate, without life. And I think what was happening is John's in the desert preaching about life. And people are catching wind about this. Who all they've got is religiosity and all these other religions that are empty and dead. And they're flocking, literally, by the thousands to come hear this wild man in the desert. Because they want life. You guys need to be reminded of something. People are looking for life. And they're asking all kinds of questions. And one of the things I think about us as followers of Jesus Christ in relation to John the Baptist, that he is a voice in the wilderness who is preparing the way for the king. And there's a couple things I think about us. Are we preparing the way in our own hearts for the work of the king in our lives? And then I think about those around us who do not know the love of Jesus Christ. Are we a voice in the wilderness preparing the way for the Messiah? Speaking of, introducing 
Jesus to people because he brings life into the barren land. John the Baptist boldly proclaimed, Jesus is coming, there is one who is coming. And he was preaching in the wilderness. What was it that this wild man was preaching? The scriptures say he was preaching a baptism of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Do you remember what repentance is? Repentance is a changing of our minds. And as we change our minds, then it is a turning of our way. Our, 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 our actions, our life responds to that change of our mind. It's, it's a calling towards righteousness, repentance. Towards what God has for us for life. Towards his standards. And it's a confession and agreement with him that, Lord, you are right. Your way of life is true. And there is repentance that takes place. An actual transformation going on in our hearts. And a changing of the way. The Lord is coming. The Savior is coming. And we need to repent, to acknowledge, to change our minds about, about sin. To change our minds about the way of life where we're, we're living and we're walking away from the Lord. Repent for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, after, uh, after I went to Israel, uh, I took my son Caleb, and my mother's French, I think I've told you guys that, and so we have a lot of family and we have a lot of friends in France. And so we went to France for uh, about 10 days to go see them. And one night, again, we, we have all these connections over there and just friends of friends and friends of friends, and so... One night we're hanging out, and I'm hanging out with a bunch of young people in this apartment. And, and they're all about 25, maybe a little bit older. And we started a conversation at about, <clears throat> at about 11 o'clock at night, just after dinner. You eat dinner real late. And we get into this theological conversation about everything, about creation, about who Jesus is about what the purpose of life is. And this conversation went on till about 2, 3 in the morning with these beautiful French people who I love. Here's what they said to me after the conversation. They said, Rod, thank you. Thank you so much for talking about these things. We have never heard this before about who Jesus is. Thank you, because you know what? We never have this type of dialogue, ever, ever. Bringing sin and an understanding of a need for repentance to a generation that doesn't understand what it is about God and his love and even understand who they are as ones who are sinners like you and me, ones who need forgiveness of our sins, that there is a holy God who loves them. But see, it's not just about repentance, right? Here's the good news, and this is what I brought to the table that evening. Hey, you know what? Here's who we are without God. We're sinners in need of a Savior. But let me tell you the good news, and that's what John was doing. Okay? 
John was saying, listen, repent. Turn your minds and turn your ways towards God. What for? For the forgiveness. Here's the good news. For the forgiveness of your sins. You will be cleansed. You will be made pure. Before holy God, you will be cleansed before him. And this is before Jesus. Afterwards, we're getting baptized in Jesus. And we're living for him and in his strength. This is still a time where people are wanting to get right with God. And the Jewish way of all the rules doesn't do it for them. And the Gentile way of trying to find some sort of life in all this pagan religion didn't do it for them. And so they're flocking by the thousands to the middle of the desert when they could have stayed in their cool homes to hear this message. Because do you understand? People are thirsty. People are thirsty. And God's working on their hearts, always, always. And just like those dear friends in France, we've never heard this. And thank you. And they kept asking questions. And I'm like, enough already. It's three in the morning. We'll continue this conversation. Why? Because people are hungry. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. You know what? I'll tell you this. Sometimes we get an image of John the Baptist as this crazy, you know, wild guy who's just, repent! Get it right! You're going to go to hell! We have that image sometimes of him. But I've got to tell you what. I don't believe that thousands of people would come all that way into the middle of the desert if that was the message. Do you know what I mean? I think more his message was full of grace. You need to repent. He's dealing with sin. But let me tell you why. Because there's a God who will forgive you. And there's a God who wants relationship with you. And he wants to cleanse your sin and make you whole and give you life in the middle of this life that was lived in the desert. Prepare the way because the king is coming. What's the baptism all about? What's it for? What's taking place? The baptism is taking place not to give them forgiveness. It's a response. It's a physical response and a physical symbol of what was already going on in their hearts. They had repented. They had come to a a place in hearing the truth about God that they wanted to, to now live their lives for God. And in the middle of their repentance, they were baptized, a symbol of, of dying to the old nature, the old flesh, a symbol of being washed pure and of rising up in the power of God, life in him, new life. They came to the desert to be cleansed. They came to the desert because they felt the weight of sin and they felt the weight and the burden of all of that the guilt and the shame, and they knew they were kicking against God and they wanted to be right with God. And so John was a voice in the wilderness preparing the way for a generation that didn't understand and wanted to know more, longing for something. They couldn't even put their finger on it. Preparing the way John the Baptist is out in the desert 
And again, he is a, he's an unusual guy. He's not, even in his own time, he was strange. He was a Nazarite. And what, here's what we know about the Nazarites. They, they did not cut their hair. They didn't cut their beards. And so what they would do, because their beards would grow very long, is they would literally have a, a basket or a sack down at the bottom to contain their beard. This was ZZ Top before ZZ Top even you know, was around. They had their hair, they had their hair long, long, and they'd put in seven braids long all the way down their back. This is a freaky looking guy. And people are flocking to hear his message. You know, he was different. He was a fish upstream. We were, in, we were at Masada, the great fortress in Israel. And at Masada, uh, my dear brother Doug Armstrong was, was teaching us. And as you stand on Masada, you, you can look over everything, but right here is the, is the Dead Sea as you look out. And Doug was teaching, he's like, you know what? Here's what we're facing in today's culture. We're facing all of this information and all of this life that, that is going this one direction, basically into the Dead Sea. Sea of Galilee, again up north, Jordan River flows all the way down, dumps out into the Dead Sea. And there's nothing there. It's dead. It has no outpouring from that place. And he says, you know, the flow, then the flow is down into the Dead Sea. And that's true of life. That's the flow. That's the message we get. Do this, do this, do this. And they say it will bring us life, but the truth is we end up in the Dead Sea. And he says, you know, in what we face today as a culture, and we're as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to be a fish upstream. And he says, be like a salmon. Be like a salmon who is making its way up to the fresh waters of Galilee. It isn't easy because the current's going this way. But you want to get back to life, to the fresh waters. And I was thinking about that for us as followers of Jesus Christ. It is. It's easy to go with the flow. And I was just thinking about my life. You know, what is it about my life that is different? We don't have to be weird. We don't have to grow the long beard. But we should be different. We should have a life that, that stands out. As, there's something unique about you. What is it? We shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We shouldn't be ashamed of Jesus. We are different. We are his children. And we should be preparing the way and sharing the good news and sharing what our life is by our lives and what that's all about and what that means. My buddy Greg Alexander, I, I, did, a, uh, I did a funeral uh, this week, a uh, graveside service. And the way this came about was uh, my buddy Greg has a neighbor and the neighbor, uh, they needed a pastor to do this service and they didn't have one because the, the other guy, it's, uh, something happened. And so the neighbor, Greg's neighbor, Greg and Laura, their neighbor said, oh, I bet, I bet the Alexanders must know somebody. They're very religious. We wanna, they're very good people is what he meant by that. 
they're always doing good things. They're always doing kind things, not only for them, but for the community. And they knew that of Greg and Laura. Greg and Laura must know somebody spiritual. And so I got to enter in and, and do a graveside because their lives reflected the love of Jesus Christ. They were fish upstream. And I want you to think about that in your lives. Are you one who looks different? Are you swimming against the current because we have to? Only in the strength of the Lord. You don't do it on your own. Only in the strength of the Lord. But John the Baptist was preparing the way because the king was coming. And he was coming and he would bring life. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Spirit. That's real life. And I want you to know about it. People were saying, John, are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the guy? Are you the Messiah? You know what John's response is in the other Gospels? All four Gospels, again, speak about this incident. Very important, obviously, in the Scriptures. John, are you, are you the one? And he's saying, absolutely not. I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals. That would never even take place. That's such a lowly position. I'm not even that. I, you can't get me low. I, there's no way. I'm not even close. But there is one who is coming that will baptize you in the Spirit. As followers of Jesus Christ, like John the Baptist, are we pointing the way to Jesus? Are we making it very clear who he is and who we are in relationship to that? It's not about me, it's about Jesus Christ. All of my life is lived because of Jesus Christ. I don't want anything about my life to even reflect upon my ability, all that I do, it's because of Jesus Christ and who he is. That's why I have life. Are we preparing the way and pointing people to Jesus Christ because he is life. He is the Holy Savior. He is the Anointed One. He is Jesus. And then the Scriptures go on, and I love this, and Jesus showed up. He came down. Seventy plus miles to be baptized. Did Jesus need to be baptized? He was perfect. He was sinless. Was there anything he needed to repent for? Why did Jesus get baptized? I believe he came to be baptized to identify with you and me. I've come to take upon the sin of the world. I've come in human flesh. I am baptized to identify, and even before the cross. Because what's the baptism a symbol of? The forgiveness of sin. A change of heart. That's why Jesus came. And I identify with humanity, and I am taking on all of that sin. And I will be baptized. And the Father wants me to be baptized. And the Father wants me to demonstrate to those who will follow the connection, a symbol of relationship with the Lord. 
a relationship, servant king, humble king, obedient to the Father. Not to get repentance, but to enter into humanity and to take on our sin. And so he was baptized by John that beautiful day. We were in Israel, and we went to the place on the Jordan of baptism. And many in the group wanted to be identified their continued commitment to Jesus Christ. Some had already been baptized before. They weren't being baptized for the first time, but they wanted to say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and we're in this land where Jesus was baptized, and I want to identify with that. And so they were baptized. And then many were baptized for the first time because they wanted people to know they were followers of Jesus Christ. Not baptized for salvation, baptized to reflect what God had been doing in their hearts. And you know, the Lord says in the end of his life, I want you to go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so why do we get baptized? Just out of obedience to our Lord. He wants us to. He wants us to make that public declaration. And he wants us to be thinking through our life that is now his. And again, it's a symbol. We need some of those things in our lives, don't we? Not for salvation. Just out of simple, humble obedience. And so we did that in Israel. And we went... And here's the fun thing. I want to tell you a story. And I'm going to show you some pictures. We went and we started baptizing. And we got the group all together. And this beautiful young woman comes walking down the stairs. And she's all, are you a pastor? I heard you're a pastor. And I'm all, I am. Her name was Michelle. She's from South Africa. And so she comes down. She goes, pastor, would you baptize me? We were looking. We wanted to be baptized. But we could find nobody who would baptize us. Would you baptize me? Yeah, I'd love to. That would be a joy. And I, as I'm, I'm starting to do the baptism, her, her family's there, and I realize her husband's with her, and his name is Rod. And so I'm like, well, that's easy. And so I go, Rod, come in the water with me, and let's baptize your wife. This guy's about 6'4", big, big dude. I'm like, come in and baptize your wife. So we have the, the beautiful, you'll see a picture, she's in the beginning photos here. And so we baptize and then after, the, after Michelle's baptism, Rod, Rod says, Pastor, would you, would you baptize me? And I'm like, I don't know, Rod, you're a big dude. <laughs> you know? I go, we'll give it a go. So Michelle's next to me. And, and man, I mean, it was, I had to get on top of him, you know, to, to get him under. And so we got, we got Rod baptized. Now, in the middle of this, then two other beautiful young women, college-age gals, come running down the stairs. Hey, we hear you're a pastor. Will you, will you baptize us, Lisa? And, and Lisa's from New York, and Tammy was from, uh, was from Louisiana. Pastor, would you baptize us? We were looking to be baptized, but we didn't know where to go. And we heard that you're baptizing. I said, come on in the group and come and be baptized. And so we baptized them in the Lord. And it was a beautiful day in the Lord. And so I just wanted to share uh, the, with the body of Christ our day of baptism.
It was a beautiful day when Jesus showed up to be baptized. And the clouds split open and a voice from heaven spoke out, God the Father. This is my beautiful son. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. There's something I want you to know as followers of Jesus Christ, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's exactly the same view that our Heavenly Father has of you and me. Do you understand something? Jesus showed up to identify with humanity, to be baptized in humble obedience to the Father. And he hadn't even begun ministry yet. Sometimes we're so trying to please God by all that we're doing for him. And if you, if you need to know one thing, you need to know your identity in Christ. You are beloved. He is pleased with you. And now we live our life in humble, beautiful obedience to our Lord and Savior as Christ did. Christ lived in obedience to the Father and showed us the way and gave us the way of life. It was a beautiful day. John the Baptist prepared the way. And I hope we will as well. Let's pray. Father, we want to be obedient servants of you. We want to be your disciples. And I thank you, Father, that you showed us the way, that you, you came to give us life. I thank you for John the Baptist who spoke boldly about your love and, and who you would be. And that in the Spirit, we would be baptized. We would have life, new life. We thank you, Father, that you've made us a new creation in you. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray for these dear saints who love you. I pray that you would empower them with your spirit, just like you did Jesus as he went out into the wilderness. Empower us as we, as we go out into this world. And Father, for those in this room who don't know you, have not received you as Lord and Savior, I pray right now, Father, that you would break through their hearts, into their hearts, and, and remind them of how much you love them. And that they would receive life from you as they put their faith and their trust in you. So, Father, minister to them through your spirit. And I pray for you who are in this church this morning. Would you open your hearts to Christ and ask him to be Lord and Savior? And you shall be cleansed. You shall have life. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.